listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 249. What's going on, Mark? It's getting toward the end of the year, isn't it? Oh, man. It's like a million o'clock right now. This time change is really jacked with me. And I'm, and I'm so sorry for all the parents out there with small children. Because yeah. I know those kids are still waking up at like five. Yep. Yeah. All that going on. We got a bunch of cool stuff going on. We got our Oil and Gatsby Charity Christmas Ball in a couple of weeks, Paige. We do. We have a conference this week that you and Michael are talking at. Yep. We'll be at the Rockwell Automation Fair probably by the time you hear this. <laughs> yeah, it'll be over. Oops. <laughs> we also have the World Petroleum Congress on December 5th to 9th. So a lot of stuff going on between now and the end of the year. If you want to have a really good time, if you want to take some of your clients to something really elegant at the end of the year, you want to take your best employees to something to reward them for a year of hard work, check out our oil and gas charity Christmas ball. The money goes to the orphan well projects. Your money's going for a good cause. It's a 1930s, 1940s flapper theme. It's no, it's 1920s, Mark. 1920s, 1930s flapper theme. I'm sorry for everybody that was born in the 40s. That I got that <laughs> Fair. And it, we're going to have all kinds of really cool stuff, including the FR Fashion Show. And guess who just brought into the FR Fashion Show to provide the exquisite footwear for models? Oh, well, if it's footwear, I'm going to take a wild guess and go Red Wing. Red Wing. Welcome back, Red Wing. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. So it's just going to be a blast. There are tickets for sale, individual tickets. If you want to buy a handful of tickets, you can get... I think 10 tickets for $5,000. All that's on the website. The link's in the show notes. Go check it out. Oh, and don't forget to come see us for our industry mixer on November 17th. That's right. November 17th. That one's actually looking really cool. So this one's going to be around doing vigil. Vigil. <laughs> Listen to me. That's not even a word. This is what, we, this is what happens when we record in the morning, guys. <laughs> Our industry mixtures could be on digital business and what's going on both in the oil and gas industry and energy industry. So it should be a good time. And then also there, the money goes to Red M to help fight human sex trafficking. So come help us fund the fight. Yes. Let's get to the new shoes. Oh, Paige, something of, uh, that's noteworthy. We didn't get a review. Oh. We almost never not get a review. I'm used to it from my <laughs> other show. So, uh... That's just because I'm not putting out all the time, but yeah, no. Oh, yeah, so that's it happens. Uh, it happens. Um, but if you like the show, uh, leave us a review. We'd love to read it on the. Is that like the second time this year? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Okay. And if you have some room for improvement, if you have some suggestions, we'd also love to hear that as well. Yep. All right, let's get into news stories. All right, second ship under investigation in connection with the Huntington Beach oil spill. So this was really interesting. So when all this happened about a month ago, you had that container ship that was considered a party of interest that was parked right next to it. That container ship, the Coast Guard has done the investigation. They have let them go. That container ship is no longer a party of interest. However, the MSC Dannett is another large container ship that was in that area and it has now been designated by the Coast Guard as a party of interest. Coast Guard is on the ship right now, actually doing their investigation. The ship is a Panamanian flagship. It looks like they probably had something to do with the pipeline rupture. Looks like it's probably like people thought where they dragged an anchor over it. None of this has been confirmed by the Coast Guard yet. We have probably another couple of weeks before their findings come out. But what I'm hoping, Paige, is number one, they figured out what happened because then number two, they can prevent it from happening again in the future. Good thing is they spilled some crude, but it's already been cleaned up. The impact to the environment was negligible because they got it cleaned up so quickly. And if we can just keep this from happening in the future, it'll be a very good lesson learned. All right. So gasoline prices are soaring, which we all know. 
OPEC and Russia aren't coming to the rescue. Yeah, we talked about this before, and it pains me to even say, as an American and as an oil and gas professional, we are asking other countries to increase their production to lower our fuel price. Now, what's asinine about that is we could increase our own production and lower our fuel prices. In fact, if we wanted to, we could increase production so much we could lower fuel prices in OPEC and in Russia. But our politicians won't let us do that. This is what you've heard before. That It's super hypocritical, Paige. They're actually having this conversation in the climate conference in Glasgow right now, COP26. And literally, our current administration is saying that the reason the gasoline prices are high here in the U.S. is the consequence of Russia and OPEC refusing to pump more oil. That is not why gasoline prices are high. Gasoline prices are Can high. Can y'all hear me rolling my eyes? Are high because we can't produce our own, even though we have the ability. This is as far away from reality as you could possibly get. The other thing is... You know, our government and actually several other governments are asking OPEC plus to increase production. Number one, I don't think they can, no matter what they say. Both Russia and OPEC says they can increase production, but they don't want to. I don't think they can. I think they're tapped out. Number two, even if they're not tapped out, why would they do it? Right now, oil is above $80 a barrel. The industry is doing very well. Why would you put more crude on the market to make the U.S. happy, especially since the U.S. doesn't do a lot of things to make Russia and OPEC happy? Right. right? So this is just, like I said, asinine. Unfortunately, Paige, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I was talking about this actually this morning with somebody. The people that are going to be impacted the most by this are the people that have lower incomes, both here in the U.S. and all over the world. No, that makes complete sense. You know, people are somewhere soon, some people out there, they're going to have to choose between heating their home and putting fuel in their car so they can go to work, which is just, it's almost, I mean, it's such a damn shame. It's almost criminal because we can prevent that from happening. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Let's hope our politicians don't make it. Even worser? Is that a word? No. <laughs> even more even worse. More worse. Yeah. God, that was so Louisiana. So Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Watch, we're going to get the grammar piece from Louisiana on our butts for making fun of Louisiana. I know. Well, I mean, we're from there. It's just, yeah, we're just going with that. Anyway, no hate mail. Speaking of asinine, oh man, I'm getting on with the segues like you are. OPEC Plus set for geopolitical showdown. So you know what's interesting about this? Number one, you and I don't talk about these news articles, right? You find them and then we discuss them on the show. I just tweeted this this morning, like 8 o'clock. Oh, really? Exact (laughs) article. So one of the things that the U.S. has is something called a strategic petroleum reserve. It is literally billions of gallons of crude oil stored in salt domes, predominantly in the Gulf Coast. Actually, a lot here in Texas and Louisiana. Yeah, guys, I remember that you specifically bringing that up during the glut. Yeah. And so – It started off, and it still is, it's a strategic reserve, which means if for some reason we get in some type of war and we need to be able to fuel our armed forces, we don't have to depend on anybody, basically have a backup of crude oil to fuel our armies. But it's also become a way to actually help mitigate prices. Several times in the last, say, 10 years, our government has decided to either open up the strategic reserve and put all in the market to increase the supply or buy oil to pull it off the market to decrease supply. We're not the only one with the strategic petroleum reserve. China has a huge strategic petroleum reserve. I'm not surprised by that at all. So the interesting thing about this article is the authors are thinking that one or both of us may tap into the strategic petroleum reserve to put crude on the market to lower prices. That would be the most asinine thing to do above the fact of asking OPEC to produce more oil. (laughs) So what would happen is we would decrease our stored oil, our strategic reserves. It would temporarily drop prices for a while, but then prices would come right back. But then guess what? We'd have to fill our strategic reserve back up at a higher price. So it makes literally no economic sense. Now, if China does it, they have a different angle on this. 
China would be able to do it for a longer period of time. And what China's hope would be is because they have so much operations, especially around Africa and in the Chinese Sea, that, that they are hoping that if they put more crude in the market and decrease prices, that they would be able to buy it back at about the same price. So even though we both have a strategic reserve, we have two different approaches to how we might use it. I don't think either country is going to tap into their strategic reserves, mainly because it's, it's, it's going to be a temporary fix and it doesn't make a lot of fiscal sense. It is interesting, though, that it's even on the table as a topic of discussion. What I hope doesn't happen is our current administration decides to not only tap into our strategic reserves, but instead of tapping into it for a short time, which is what historically we've always done, I'm scared our current administration may tap into it for a long time. Oh, who knows? For months and months and months yeah. to keep prices low, to keep voters happy. And then we're really up a creek. <sighs> we can't produce our own oil and even our strategic reserves are depleted. So please, 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 politicians, I don't care what side of the fence you're on. Don't let that happen. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. So the next one is Canadian oil producers eye new pipeline route to Gulf Coast as Marathon reverses Capline conduit. Yeah, so how many pipelines do you know that normally flow from south to north? I have no idea. This was one. It's the only one that I know of, (laughs) right? I'm like, is this a trick question? (laughs) No, usually pipelines in the U.S. flow north to south. Of course, they flow east to west. But the reason for that, if you picture in your head the map of the U.S. and you picture all the unconventional shell plays on land – they're all over the U.S., but most are refining capacities in the Gulf, the Gulf Coast. Coast. Right. Yeah, right. So the pipelines are there to bring all those natural gas and uh, crude oil to the Gulf Coast refining. There's so much a driver for that that Marathon has a pipeline that for years made money going south to north. Now they're going to just reverse it. What well, I mean, simple, that just makes sense. Yeah, what a simple, easy thing to do. They've already gotten contracts signed. This pipeline is actually pretty close to having it reversed. And in the process of doing all the work to reverse it, Paige, they went in and they did a bunch of uh, maintenance, right? So they made sure everything was up to par. Everything was spit and polished. There's no corrosion anywhere. Hell yeah. All their sensors are up and running. So this cap line project, I think, is a cool thing. And the fact that they're going to be bringing heavy crudes from Canada to think North Dakota, and then this pipeline's going to grab it in North Dakota and bring it to the Gulf Coast. It's just good for everybody, especially Canada, who, man, they have suffered. Their oil and gas industry has suffered, and their politicians right now are, <laughs> are making it even worse. I um, I think it was Quebec just recently passed a ordinance saying that they were not going to produce any oil and gas in Quebec ever like because of the climate change initiative, mm-hmm. but they don't produce any oil and gas now. <laughs> so does that make them leaders or hypocrites? <laughs> I have so many French jokes right now. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so this is a really cool thing to reverse in this pipeline. It makes total sense. It is funny that they lucked up, you know, 70 or not 70, 60 years ago. They built this pipeline and it made money where they put it geographically. Now they haven't moved it and times have changed. And now they're able just to reverse the flow and make money again on it. That's like, awesome. What, what are the odds? They'd have to build a new pipeline, just make everything run the opposite way. All right. So the next one is API testifies on climate challenge. Yeah. So after grilling the heads of all the super majors, our Congress thought it'd be great to bring API and grill them. Not that I expect a whole bunch to come out of Mike Summers, who's the president of, or sorry, the CEO of API. He basically stuck to his corporate guidelines. I watched a little bit of the testimony. Basically, Congress is trying to vilify API and API is basically saying, look, we're a lobby organization. We're also set the standards. We hear you. We hear you. We're just not sure we agree with you. And we don't want to do anything stupid until we know for sure what's going on. That includes stuff around climate change. They did budge a little bit. And so this is the first time I've ever heard API admit 
that climate change is real. And you, everybody knows my opinion. I 100% know climate change is real. Climate in itself is not static. It's naturally changing. I'm just not sure man's activity has affected it as much as other people say it has. But it was really interesting that the APA back off a little bit and say, yes, climate change is real. And they're working with the industry to help mitigate our impact to the climate. Congress, I wish you would do something better with your money and time than grill private enterprises, public companies, organizations. You know, if you really want to move the needle, start looking outward and start instead of trying to point the finger and blame stuff, start actually doing something, right? We talked earlier about ExxonMobil with their carbon capture. There's ExxonMobil literally owning 20% of the carbon dioxide pulled out of the air in the world. Why can't our U.S. government do something similar? Oh, because they all have their own agendas. Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to even touch that. Shell restarts production on Gulf of Mexico platforms, which is great after the hurricane. Yeah, so when a hurricane comes in the Gulf, one of the things that all the operators do for safety is they, they don't shut down the rigs, but they bring them down. They bring production down. A lot of times they stop production. They have a minimized skeleton crew or sometimes no crew. It's just a, they're worried about their workers, their employees first and the assets. Oh, no, second. no. People are evacuated. Yeah, 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 people are evacuated. So they're worried about their people first, assets second. Hurricane Ida, when it came through, really hit Shell fairly hard on several of their their assets in the Gulf of Mexico. But Shell's been working diligently to repair it. The West Delta 143, which took probably the most of the damage, is just about back up and operating. It looks like Shell will be back to its production numbers pre-hurricane this month. The cool thing about that is we're seeing global demand pick up. And you know here's a chance for Shell to actually put some hydrocarbons on the market and make a little bit of money. Now, we talked earlier, I think it was the last show, where Shell, there's a group within Shell on the board looking to try to split the company yeah. up and separate its hydrocarbon business from its renewable business. Unfortunately, that's still up in the air. We still don't know where that's going to go. But know. at least we're producing in GOM. So that- well, at least we're producing the Gulf of Mexico, right? So, right. so good for Shell and the people out there. And we're out of hurricane season, so we should be good until next June. Okay, so next one is Biden seeks more oil from OPEC proposes new regulation of the U.S. oil industry. I don't even want to even, I don't know how far I want to go to this. So this is great. So at the climate conference in Scotland, after flying a gazillion airline miles and a gazillion armored car miles and you know helicopters and everything else that dumped tons of CO2 in the ground, CO2 in the air, I'm sorry, this group decides that, that one of the ways we can fix what's going on temporarily is ask OPEC to produce more oil. We've talked about that earlier, which is not going to happen. The hypocrisy in this <laughs> is that the entire organization, the entire climate organization in Glasgow all agrees with this. So they're all saying, look, we don't want to produce oil in parts of the world that are environmentally responsible like the U.S. We want other countries to produce it so we can kind of turn our heads and buy that oil and use it and keep our energy prices down. It was really interesting to hear uh, Wayne Christian, who's the chairman of our railroad commission, yeah, jump in on this and basically say, are y'all kidding me? Are y'all freaking kidding me? You're in another country. You've dumped a gazillion tons of CO2 flying everybody over there, which, by the way, do you notice how many women was in that climate conference? A whole lot of none. None, right? And I'm sure there's some, no hate mail. But when you look at if it's predominantly male, it's probably from the Western countries. And they're not worried about even their own people. They're worried about looking good at this climate summit. And it's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Well, my favorite part is the Washington Times headline stated, climate hypocrisy, Biden takes heat for carbon footprint at UN summit. But the report pointed out that Biden's motorcade in Glasgow included a 21-vehicle convoy and an 85-vehicle motorcade a few days earlier at the group of 20 meeting in Rome. Yeah. 
So let me ask you a question, world politicians. Why did y'all not walk to this conference or ride bikes? No, I'm serious. You know, this is so hypocritical. It's literally right. It's almost a slap in the face. You know, so we just need to get our politicians out of our energy mix. That's not going to happen. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's not going to happen this year. But it's just, it's just getting to the point where it's constantly infuriating to see our politicians get in our way, being able to produce reliable, cheap, abundant energy. Mark, there are days I have to like just turn off the TV completely, get off of social. Because I, I get so frustrated with what the headlines say. Social's gotten really bad. Even I am about to like just it's delete ridiculous. apps. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's part of my reason for getting rid of Twitter. Stuff like that. So, but anyway, the next article is oil thieves wreak havoc on Nigeria's oil industry. Poor Nigeria. I'm telling you. corruption. I know. Um, the extremists, the attacks. On and all the they want is prosperity and... And it just keeps, so this, since 2016, 2017, this has been going on. Yeah, I believe uh, so. And we have a election coming up. And every time there's election in Nigeria, you have an increase in attacks on the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's horrible. The current president in Nigeria has done a fantastic job. I, I actually was not a believer in him when he first got elected. I thought he was just a lot of hot air. But he's actually, he's put himself at high risk, him and his family, trying to clean up a lot of this stuff. It just the people in Nigeria need to buy in. And the people in Nigeria need to say, you know what? Corruption's not okay. Stealing's not okay. It's not okay for you to do this, right? This only hurts everybody. And then what happens after the election, after the tax on the infrastructure, then they got to come back in and repair all this. Well, that money and time could have been spent building new infrastructure, including things like schools and hospitals, right? So, you know, your militants out in Nigeria, quit attacking the oil and gas infrastructure, please. You're not hurting anybody but yourself long term. I'm sure they're listening. I, you know, Paige, you would I'm be sure, surprised. I'm sure they're like, Mark LaCour said not to do this, so I'm totally not going to do it now. Well, if you are listening, Nigerian oil terrorist, <laughs> how about you agree to not attack infrastructure and I'll give you a voice on the show? Hey, yeah. You can go on your other show that you uh-huh. got coming up. Yep. Which is the balance point with Mark. Coming oh, yeah. Soon. I keep forgetting. The name of it. Okay, so here's another one. Outrageous theme park to be built on oil platforms in Saudi Arabia. How awesome is that? What a great idea. How come nobody else has thought of this before? Well, I mean, you do have, you know, Elon Musk over here using it, you know, with a space program and stuff. But this, this is totally different. And I've seen one that's been made out of a hotel, I think. And then is it North Sea? Someone write in and let me know. But yeah, somebody made one into a hotel. So this is different for sure. This is an amusement park built on a production platform. Hats off to Saudi Arabia. We were actually supposed to be in the Middle East right now for Adipak. We got invited by royalty. We had free airline tickets, free hotels, and we were just too busy to go. But I tell you what, I bet Paige and I aren't too busy to go hit this theme park once they get it built. Maybe. What a great team outing. What if we took all of OGG into the theme park in Saudi Arabia on the production rig? Hey, if anybody's listened from the group that's building this, seriously, reach out to us. I'd love to help you promote it and publicize it in return for you know, some, hey, I wonder if they have the fast pass like they have at Disney World. <laughs> Give us some fast well, passes. It kind of reminds me of Pleasure Pier over here in Galveston. This could be a big place. This is 1.6 million square foot in the Arabian Gulf, literally being funded by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which is the group that's trying to bring businesses to Saudi Arabia that are not hydrocarbon focused. It's going to have roller coasters, water slides, submarine adventures, diving, bungee jumping, restaurants, hotels. It's called The Rig. We got to go. So we're going. Whenever this thing gets built. Well, I'm looking at this picture, and it looks like it was two platforms. There's three helidecks. It looks sweet. You see the Ferris wheel over the water? Yeah, that's amazing. And then there's another picture of where people can actually look at the undersea water life. 
Yeah, and look at the cruise ships pulling up there. Yeah. This, hey, we need to have a podcast. There. We need to at least do one podcast there. Anyway, what a great use for a production platform. I've never seen anybody else do this. This is very forward thinking. I'd like to see more stuff done like this. Yeah, I would too. You know, besides just the Rigs the Reef program, yeah. you know, doing stuff like this adds money to the economy. It repurposes existing infrastructure. And the big thing is, like the Rigs the Reef program, if the governments can re- remove that liability, so if the government says, hey, if Chevron, if you let somebody turn this production platform into a hotel, we will relieve you of the liability. Now the hotel has the liability of the platform. You know how many operators would do stuff like this? That's what limits them is the liability. Yeah. Right? So I just think that it's makes a sense to me. great idea. You know, like I said, way past just repurposing for to make artificial reefs, you know, and to your point, SpaceX, you know, what is production platforms going to look like in 10 years? I don't know. It could be awesome. It should be really cool. All right, speaking of really cool, if you want this really cool IBM t-shirt, you have a very limited amount of time. Uh, it's sh- going fast, and it's going to be gone soon. And be gone forever. So you got till the very end of this year to register. The link's in the show notes. If you don't win this week, register every week. It's a really cool shirt that is not only instant collectible, but it's going to be doubly instantly collectible because we're not doing it anymore. Yeah, we got a month and a half, y'all. And then weekly recount. Where are we? Oh, we are. It's looking good. I just got to click. Uh, let's see. The United States, we're at 550. We're up six. Canada is down six at 160. And internationally, we're up 13, even 800. So good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of good stuff, go to LinkedIn, search for OGGN, sign up. Yeah. Pops up. yeah, just click on something. Hey, Mark, when are you doing your predictions for 2022? I actually am going to record them next week. I'm going to live stream them when I record them, and then it will go out the following week. So we're looking at two weeks from now, they'll go out. Awesome. How have you done so far with your predictions from last year for this year? I haven't looked at last year for this year, which is really not fair because nobody, I mean, coming out of pandemic, I do have to go back and look. But overall, I've been doing this, I think, since 2014. 2015, this, something like that? Yeah, this had to be probably the most difficult yeah, Overall, I'm like years. 74% accurate. That's but, cool. but I haven't looked at what I did last year. And I, if I'm even 10% accurate from last year, I think it's success. <laughs> <laughs> and actually looking forward into 2022 is really hard too. We're entering a zone or a point in time that we've never done before, just like in the pandemic. So it's really hard to figure out what's going to happen. But I'm going to do my best and, and we're going to have some fun with it. Awesome. But yeah, if you want to see those predictions, you want to see some of the stuff we're doing as far as live events, new podcasts, just sign up and follow us on any social platform or not any social platform, the one we're active on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Twitter. And then if you want to know about the events that are going on, like we start off the beginning of the show, we have a monthly oil and gas events newsletter, which my apology did not go out last month. It will go out uh, next month. We had a little bit of an issue there, but the links in the show notes, sign up for that. And then if you want myself or experts to come speak at your event, like we're doing this week at Rockwell, also reach out. I'll be happy to share the details. And then finally, if you have a question, you want to help educate our audience, please, please, please either go to oilandgasthisweek.com or OGGN. There's a place for you to ask a question. And if we read your question on the air, we'll give you a big shout out. Ready to get out of your page. Yep. Got stuff to do. Got stuff to do. (laughs) Remember folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. See ya. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.